0: Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com, or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel, and please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Alright, hello everybody. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. Dennis and I are here today to discuss eight and a half months. Um, we've got a little something special planned, and we'll tell you about that in just a moment. But um, Dennis, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? You have a you have a guest sitting I, in your arms right now? I do. I have a special guest. Hattie Mae is making her first appearance. Oh, literally first appearance uh-huh. on the podcast as she makes a little noise here. Um, she's been sleeping. Mom is uh, actually with her sister right now. They're having some lunch, so... I'm going to uh, introduce Hattie Mae to the wonderful world of Quantum Leap podcasting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what a, what a small little world it is.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, and apropos, in a way, considering that we're talking about an episode we're talking like eight about eight and a half months. Eight and a half months. Yeah. yeah. So we're ready to dive into this. Like I said, we're going to do something
1: interesting with this episode. But we'll tell you about that here in just a second. Right. Uh, so.
0: Yeah. Um, this episode. Oh no! You didn't like that. Um, This episode, eight and a half months, uh, has an air date of March 6th, 1991. Uh, Worth noting real quick that this is indeed after a two-month hiatus. Not only is Quantum Leap now back on the air, uh, to the pleasure and delight of over 50,000 fans who wrote letters in, but it's returned to Wednesday nights, which is something that everyone is very excited about as well. Um, And uh, the leap date for this episode is November fifteenth, 1955, and Sam has leapt into Billie Jean Crockett. Uh, Our director for this episode is James Whitmore Jr., who also pulls double duty uh, in an acting role playing uh, the father of Billie Jean, Bob Crockett. Our writer is Deborah Pratt, and she is... In sterling form in this episode, I might add. I think it's very well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis, what does TV Guide tell us?
1: Uh, TV Guide, it is worth noting that this is a longer description than usual because uh, this was like a special like, close-up where they give you a little bit uh, yeah. more of a blurb than usual. Uh, so Sam, Scott Bakula, really must labor to make things right when he leaps into the body of Billie Jean, an unwed pregnant teenager who's expecting at any minute. She plans to put her baby up for adoption, but Al, Dean Stockwell, says that's a decision she would deeply regret for the rest of her life. Sam must find a way for her to keep the baby. The kicker. Sam's having labor pains. <laughs> there are so a many kicker. There are so many puns in there. Yeah. Oh, labor, yeah. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Labor kicker. Yeah. Those are the two. Those are the big ones. Yeah.
0: Love it. Yeah, but this and was close-ups were a thing. That was something they used to do in TV Guide. You know, they would like they'd spotlight a certain you know program or whatnot on a on a specific day and give you a little bit more of a blurb. I mean, yeah, this is a big deal. There's a, there was a yeah, there was a full page uh, ad in the TV Guide,
1: which uh, I'll find a copy of and we'll throw it up on uh, and we'll throw it up on the on the social media pages. Uh, but yeah, this episode coming back from a hiatus was a big deal. Back to its original night was a big deal and then just the the subject matter of the of the episode itself
0: yeah which is something that they had wanted to do for quite a while um and scott Bakula apparently had even um suggested it at one point or something similar to that there's a funny story about one of the producers receiving a uh, like a gift basket um and because they would receive like spec scripts all the time and they would return them Uh, Unopened because they never wanted, they weren't going to hire anybody outside, and they they didn't want to take any chances for lawsuits. Well, this person um, was rather ingenious in delivering, like, uh, balloons in a basket, you know, saying, like, it's a boy, and he was very confused by this, and it turns out that that was how they decided to deliver their script, and, uh, you know, he goes on to tell a story about how they had to get it out of there as quickly as possible so that no one would ever think that he actually read the script, because at the time, he was already well aware that Deborah Pratt had written this script, um, because it was written, I guess, in, in November or finished sometime around November of 1990. So most likely it was, you know, started and germinating even longer than that. But um, kind of an amusing story that's in Matt Dale's book from one of the producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also interesting to note, and I think um, we'll talk
1: about this at length later on, but uh, the final sequence of the episode, just of like of, of Sam going into the hospital through... Through the the giving birth, or as close as they come before he leaps out. Um, that actually took an entire day to shoot, like from eight in the morning to eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, so that was quite the day.
0: It really was. First, got back, he to pretend like he was pushing. And it's definitely another example of just based on interviews with him um, uh, of all of the different types of research uh, and preparation that he would have to do for the roles that he, you know, that not only he was taking but that Sam Beckett was leaping into uh, and he he mentions about speaking with his wife talking to a few friends who were actually pregnant at the time um, on the phone you know just making like late night phone calls and asking them how does a contraction really feel and you mm. know trying to kind of figure out as much as he could because he felt even though it was something he really wanted to do, he was very excited about, and, and I think looking back on, he has said that this is probably his favorite episode of the ones where he leaps into a woman, um, and uh, you know, he felt like he had a duty to really get it right, because if he didn't get it right, it would be so easy for female viewers to write in and be like, well, that's not what it's really like, yeah. um, which is obviously something that we're going to be talking about. Dennis, Do you? this was your idea. I think it's a beautiful idea. I'm very excited about it. Do you want to tell our listeners what they're in for today? uh, sure, and
1: I say like this idea was born from just out of scheduling <laughs> uh, and also wanted to get some women to guest on the episode, so what we're gonna do here um is we're about ready to throw it to uh to two different segments of uh i'm not sure which order we're gonna put this in uh as far as layout goes uh but 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 betsy and I uh talking about the episode, having our own conversation about it, and then Sam and Jessica they're going to have their own separate conversation about it and then we're going to throw those two together later on and then you and I will be back at the end of the episode to to, to just do our final wrap up that we usually do and uh and say and say goodbye to everyone yeah. uh, leading into next week and you know we were talking about this before we hit record we don't really know what those conversations are going to be like cuz we haven't had those conversations yet we're right. going to have, we're going to record them uh later tonight and put the episode out on on Tuesday, but Betsy and I watched the episode uh, last night, uh, and we've talked about it a little bit, but I know she... She has some thoughts about it. Overall, she really enjoyed the episode, and I don't know, has Jessica even watched the episode She hasn't,
0: actually, just because, you know, with uh, her sisters being in town um, this weekend and, you know, obviously everything else that's going on with the baby, we uh, just hadn't had a time to sit down and watch it together, so I was able to watch it um, this morning on my own, and uh, she and I are probably going to watch it a little bit later this afternoon and then uh, then record, Um, but... I'm very very eager for her to to see it because I do think it's a very good episode and obviously, you know, um having just had a baby 3 weeks ago, I think she'll have uh a lot to a lot to add. So
1: what I found yeah interesting watching it is that um Sam goes from going into labor to giving birth and very quickly, which I'm sure from a writing standpoint it was just a very convenient plot device. Right. Uh, but that that much more mirrors Jessica's experience and giving birth than it does Betsy, because uh, Betsy was in labor for, for quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jessica had precipitous labor, and I don't want to go too much into it, because I think it's something, again, that she'll probably want to talk about a little bit. But uh, it, it will be very interesting to get these perspectives. And I'm excited about it. it you know, For a little bit more information, like Dennis said, scheduling-wise, we were concerned that we weren't necessarily going to be able to get Um, an episode out this week and we thought about maybe taking a break much in the same vein that quantum leap took a break at this time which was also a really good idea but after having a brief text discussion about it we just thought you know we've got a cool opportunity here to do something a little bit different and then still get episodes out on time which is always appealing to us because you know we've we've kept to a pretty great schedule taking only one break for the holidays, mm-hmm. um, and and I don't know, it's just really afforded us a great opportunity. I think to not only get these episodes out weekly, but I think for each of us, um, the fact that we've even kind of changed our recording schedule a little bit, and we're basically recording one episode per week mm-hmm. as opposed to doing like you know two or three at a time and then releasing them over the course. I kind of almost am enjoying this better because it, it, it's kept me in the mindset of doing it. You know what I mean? Like I feel very invested in it and it's interesting to watch it on a weekly basis as opposed to watching like three or four episodes at once and Baking, then, and then you know, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been fun. Um, but anyway, that's, so that's kind of the story behind that. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and cut to, um, these, these two segments with, uh, uh, Jessica and Betsy and, uh, then be back afterwards for a short wrap up. Uh, do you have anything else to add before we do that?
1: Um, no, maybe just throw in, like, some uh, some actor tidbits that we usually do. Oh, yeah. Uh, during, yeah. Good
0: idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, uh, of note, uh, Parley Bayer, who plays Dr. Rogers, he's going to come back in the last season um, as, uh, as Judge Shiner in, yes. the, in the third part of the trilogy episodes. I also remember him as being the mayor of Mayberry
0: on The Andy Griffith Show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a fond memory of him as well, um, which not nearly uh, as memorable in many ways as The Andy Griffith Show. But he also played the grandfather in License to Drive with the two Corys. Uh. Um, and uh, that film, for whatever reason, was a favorite of my sister's when we were young. So I've seen that movie many, many times. No. Time. <laughs>
1: he's also like he's someone. He strikes me like he's a perpetually old man. Like he's obviously much older in this episode than he was on the Andy Griffith Show, right? But even still, perpetual yeah. perpetual old man. Um, speaking of elderly people, Anne Haney, yeah, uh, she will come back in a single drop of rain in the fourth season, uh, and she's like one of those actors. Like she was, yeah, she popped up in. She yes. was in everything. All and, over her the place. See- and her scene in this episode was, uh, it was, it was just a very well done
0: scene. I agree. I completely agree. And the thing that was kind of remarkable about it, uh, in, in my opinion, was that she didn't come off as being the villain in any way. And I feel like that there are times within the series that a, a role like this would have been made to feel a little bit more villainous. And she doesn't. You know, no, I, I, yeah. I feel like it's just a very honest portrayal of that situation, and it was yeah, it was very well done. No, as as um as we're talking about that, I'm thinking like
1: how it was written. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine that dialogue, not changing any of the dialogue, it, and it could have been delivered in a very different way, right? And made her, if not villainous, like more cold and uncaring. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and yes uh she brings a just a lot of compassion to that
0: and it's funny to to note as well um that she did not start acting until she was in her 40s um she said in an interview before that um uh she'd raised a daughter buried her husband and didn't have a dog so she felt like she needed a hobby and uh she got into acting <laughs> that's and, awesome
1: those those are great stories
0: yeah, yeah, and she um she did pass away in May of 2001. Um actually the day before my 20th birthday. Um oh, but uh in you know in the time before that, uh obviously she she amassed quite um a a, a lengthy resume um in both film and television and, and played, you know, a, a variety of roles uh and, and certainly is one of those people that when you see her, um you do immediately recognize her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then uh, the other actor of note from this uh, episode is Hunter Von Leer,
1: who I recognize because yes. I'm I'm currently going through a phase of, of going back and rewatching uh, the the Halloween movies with Michael Myers, um, and he appears in in part two, and he has a very over the top delivery in one scene of breaking the news to to someone else that that a family member has been murdered, and yeah, <laughs> glorious, uh, yeah, but he. Uh, yeah, Betsy has some thoughts about him.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, awesome. And then I, I touched on this ever so briefly um, in the open, but James Whitmore Jr. again not only directed this episode but directed fourteen other episodes. Great episodes too, like Jimmy. Um, you know, just being one of, of many. But uh, he acts in this episode as Bob Crockett, mm-hmm. and um, this is not the the last time that we'll see him even on uh, screen because he does come back, including in, in Mirror Image. Um, for for a small role uh but just for what it 's worth he's he 's fantastic i thought as as Bob Crockett. I really enjoyed the scene between him and sam when when Billy Jean first comes to the the oil refinery. I thought that was really well done and very well written as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: absolutely yeah and that's yeah i 'm looking at the the other
1: actors didn 't didn 't really have a whole lot on their on their resume uh for example the the uh, Willie, the the father, mm-hmm. his last his last acting credit was well, it was just a year later in 1992, uh, in a TV movie called "Doing Time on Maple Drive." Wow, well, all right then, yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, let me jump back here, and I do feel like we we should give a mention to um, uh, Dottie, who, who who plays so much. In the episode, oh God, yeah, of course. Uh, But it seems like yeah, she uh, um, Lana Schwab is the actor's name. Mm -hmm. Her Um, last acting role was in 2005.
0: And uh, what what was the name of the the girl Dottie's Dottie's helper? Effie. Effie. Okay. Effie. Yeah, played by Tasha Brooks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Interesting thing about her resume is it seems as though she did some roles as a child and then took a break um, for about ten. Twelve years or so, so I'm assuming she yeah. went to school, did that sort of. But she's been working even recently uh, again, which is which is cool. Um, so while she definitely took, you know, a break while she went off to school, I'm assuming um, she's she is working again, um, which is great. Uh, she was she was a lot of fun in in this, uh, I thought. And Matt mentions even in his book about how, uh, and this is just him speaking, not anything that. You know, Deborah Pratt or, or producers or anybody have said, but he mentions about how it's interesting to see, uh, even though that this episode is set at the same time as Color of Truth, also written by Deborah Pratt, to have a a female black character that is so accepted um, by you know the, the the white people that she's working for, uh, which is in direct contrast to what we saw in Color of Truth, um, and he remarks about how it's just interesting to see that based on you know where they are that it you know the perception wasn't the same everywhere you know yeah i, I feel i feel like they they
1: kind of touch on it a little bit in the one in the in the one scene where they talk about how um, uh, I, I think effie was the character's name or no no not uh, the, the 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 one oh. character she won't allow her she won't allow her hair to be taken down t- yes. and it looks like like electrified cotton candy i think that's what they called it they yeah. kind of they kind of hint towards the idea that maybe the fact that she's black is the reason why she wouldn't allow her to touch her. Um, but I I feel like there's another episode coming up in the fifth season where it's not the main part of the, like dealing with race and racism is not a main part of the episode, but there's one short scene where they go out of the way to show how racist the character is like even Mm -hmm. dropping, even dropping the N word Mm -hmm. in a scene. Um, and so yeah, I feel like th- this episode handles it well. Like there's just this one moment where you kind of get the hint that maybe she's not fully accepted because of the color of her skin, but they don't right.
0: they don't dwell on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And her interactions with you know with Bob Crockett and 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 flagging a car down, um, yeah, in the mm-hmm. rain, stuff like that. There there, it seems like if if this episode took place in. Um, in Mississippi, like Color of Truth, that she would not be able to get a ride. She probably would not be allowed into the refinery to talk to Bob Crockett. So it is interesting just to see that, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, contrast there from uh, Deborah Pratt writing both of those episodes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think that's definitely, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. That being said, let's, let's jump
1: into our conversations with Betsy and Jessica. Let's do it. So Dennis and Betsy here, and as we gear up to record our half of this episode, we are watching our own son wind down on the baby monitor in his room. Yeah. So if we pause every now and then, that's why. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing? How was your night, Hi.
2: Good. That's good. Went grocery shopping, went to the dollar store to get stuff for our road trip coming up.
1: I was out for work, and I just got home just in time to to put the little guy to bed and get set up here in the bedroom like Mm -hmm. we do. Yeah. But anyway, so let's dive in. Betsy, before yesterday, how many times have you seen this episode?
2: I want to say zero. I don't think that... None to memory. Sure. Zero times.
1: Zero times. First impressions?
2: Uh, Having been pregnant myself, I would say... It's well-researched, as far as that goes. It's not... there. Were, it was not as, um... A lot of shows te- treat pregnancy as, like, oh, look, it's a woman who happens to have a bump in front of her, and I, I don't think that they treated it that way. So that was nice.
1: Yeah.
2: Awesome. Um, seemed pretty... Realistic as far as, like, the time period and the scenario playing mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, men suck.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 They got all that. I do have my thoughts on that. Well, let's, uh, aside from Sam and Al, uh, let, let's talk about the other men. I think the first uh, man that we're introduced to is the doctor. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I get he's like a country folksy doctor, but I mean, he just just the idea of having just a dude getting you through the pregnancy and like he seemed kind of panicky. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like him.
1: Well, the the thing that jumped out at me watching it this time around, and I think I have noticed it before, like the last time I I watched it is, and I know this is very apropos. Of the time, but just how, like, like, handsy he is with her. Mm-hmm. Like, even after, like, Sam has, like, calmed down and convinced them that mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. Billy, is no longer in labor, and she, Sam is sitting in the chair and the doctor is comforting her like he comes up behind her and, like, braces her shoulders and strokes her hair. And he is a much older man, so it is very paternal in a way.
2: It also feels patronizing. And she's not... I mean, it's tough, because she is a child. She's 16.
1: Yeah. Which we were talking about like, like yeah. last night. It's When I first watched this episode as a kid, that kind of glossed over me. Because when I first watched it as a kid, a 16-year-old girl was much older than me. Sure. But also still, like, uh, the the actor who plays the mirror image, she still strikes me. She strikes me as maybe early 20s. Yeah. Right. she She strikes me older than a 16 year old. They girl. should should have gotten someone who looked yeah,
2: very young. Yeah.
1: And I was I mean like growing up in in my small town, we regularly had girls in high school who were pregnant. Gross. Uh, my first experience was actually when I was in the 6th grade. A girl in our class, she was 12 years old. What? 12 years old and pregnant. And of course, small rural town small religious rural town yeah she was she was gonna she was gonna have that baby
2: okay
1: um and I remember this this just sprang to mind when I was um when I was like high school like I said there was more than um more than one of my classmates who were pregnant and uh one girl she even um they voted her prom queen as a joke wow some this people sucks. yeah some people got together voted her prom queen as a joke because oh how embarrassing is it at the prom you have to like dance the dance and you're pregnant because she was she was pretty far along at that point so wow. def, definitely showing and the thing is like it turned out to not be a joke because everybody was like really nice and supportive to her Like after it happened. So it was like a joke that backfired in this strange, weird way.
2: That's messed up. Totally.
1: And this was my hometown, Southern Illinois, and this was early to mid 90s. It's ridiculous.
2: Well, I, I feel like my sister would remember. I feel like there might have been talk of somebody getting pregnant somewhere either in my high school or um, our big competitor school. But I don't remember... Like, there weren't any people walking around that I can recall who were just pregnant. And certainly there would be no talk of marriage. Like, we, we were in a wealthy suburb of Detroit, and that just... I mean, everyone went to college. Like, there was no question of getting married, like, before going to college. There was no question of... Having kids that young, with just different worlds, totally, yeah, I knew from stories and things like that that this kind of scenario is how it's, how it would play out, basically, like
1: we're going to do in here in a little bit, yeah. like there, yes, uh, there's a lot about the scenario that 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 rings true for me growing up in the rural community mm-hmm. that I did that mm-hmm. that that kind of struck a nerve. Uh one thing, I'll say this is a bit of more of a tangent, but then we'll go on, but just to speak to how, just how badly our sex education was <laughs> growing up. I remember um, this when I was like a junior or senior, there was a girl a couple of years behind me. Her boyfriend, and I'm going to use a crude term, and I don't know how else to say it without like taking a long way around the block. <laughs> his girlfriend had, or his boyfriend, her boyfriend had fingered her. Okay. And she was worried that she was going to get pregnant. Wow. From getting fingered. And it it got out that she had that concern. And so then she was mocked and teased by a lot of people for. Super. Yeah.
2: Yeah, People suck. High
1: Um, schoolers suck. People suck.
2: Well, when it comes to stuff like this, I find that it's always the woman who pays. And they mentioned it in the episode. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and and two it sucks like there's no resources for her there's I mean her dad I don't I got I can't remember if her dad worked I mean if she lived with her dad she was definitely staying at Dottie's place
1: I, I always kind of got the impression that at some point after she got pregnant either her dad kicked her out mm. or she got so uncomfortable at home yeah she went to stay with Dottie yeah
2: that makes sense well whatever the case like she had nobody to turn to no government program to help her out um and i i appreciated her yelling at billy like this kid is just as much yours as it is mine and, and i think that gets lost.
1: oh Willie, you mean willie is yeah the mm-hmm. kid who yeah the father the father yeah, yeah.
2: and um it's true like it's it's supremely unfair that she has to make this huge decision at 16 and mm. um and and now she really wants it because it does get it's hard even for the woman when you get pregnant you know but mostly you're you're miserable in the in the early months and then it's still kind of an abstract thought i mean it's a long time before it starts to feel very real but when it does and you start feeling the baby kicking and stuff like that um i could totally see changing your mind and being like yeah i want to try and make this work but how does she make it work and she has to figure this out at 16 and meanwhile no matter what he's going to go to college and have his own life and forget all about it i mean that's the the impression i got the implication and uh so yeah women typically and like the girl who you talked about who didn't understand that you know, fingering can't get you pregnant. Um, she paid for her ignorance um, by being the brunt of gossip and bullying, and like that has. I mean, it's not her fault. All she wanted to know is if she's going to get pregnant, which is a huge deal, especially for the woman. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it it just all feels very unfair. I do think the episode kind of touches on that, which is progressive, especially for the time. Like, you'd think the 90s were, I was alive, I was not a baby, like, I remember the 90s being, you know, fine, but I also know that for its time, it was touching on some serious stuff.
1: hmm Well, I guess kind of along those lines, let's jump ahead since you brought him up and talk about Willie, the sure. father, the high school kid.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I was thinking about it earlier between recording earlier with Sam and now. It is very easy to to judge him and for abandoning her. But also at the same time I can find, find his character sympathetic. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about him before I expound upon mine?
2: Well he's a child too which is what it comes down to, you can't, you can't hold him. I mean, teenagers are going to do these things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that neither of them ever expected or wanted, it sounds like, this to happen. Um, and he had a plan for his life. It's like maybe why she was attracted to him in the first place, was mm-hmm. because he's ambitious.
1: Well, I mean, in, in the scene, um, and it's a very good scene, like, yeah, that that, that is kind of laid out. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, that was one of the reasons why she was drawn to him, and then
2: yeah, yeah, you wonder if abortion was legal and e- easily available, and uh, you know, not stigmatized in the way that it is. If if this episode would ever have happened, um, yeah, but no, I'm, that's neither here nor there. I think he was he was fine. I was I did sympathize with him. It's um, a tough situation for anybody to find themselves in, and I think that he was under the impression, like, no, we agreed on this, and and you can't. I, I encourage you not to change your mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it is, uh, it is interesting to note that at no point. I mean, obviously, I mean, at eight and a half months, abortion is going to happen now, but at no point in the episode is it is it mentioned. Like, was it ever considered? Probably never probably not probably not or you know if it was and this is jumping back to uh, a previous season two episode there was a character where there was an abortion but it was done bad illegally
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah um but yeah but they're, they're 58 the, in oklahoma like, yeah uh, i'd be
2: super surprised
1: mm-hmm. hmm. so yeah yeah um yeah, it is interesting that, like, yeah, it, it's never brought up. But, yeah, and that, that scene with Willie, like, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, I know just from, from our past and talking about our past, I know... I, I don't think you had any, like, significant pregnancy scares in high school. Oh, God, no. or, or early college. I had a couple of pregnancy scares with my longtime girlfriend mm. in... Early college, and this is when I was still living in, the, in my hometown and going to community college. And for a while, she and I were going to the same community college together. Um, and it was a really... Um, it, it was just a bad situation uh, emotionally all around without getting into too long of a story about it. It's, um, I had tried to break up with her several times. But both my family and her family kept finding ways to try to keep us together and to manipulate that situation so that we were Mm. staying together. And although it was never said out loud, I really think it came from a place of my family more or less knew that we were sexually active with each other. Her mom definitely knew that we were sexually active with each other. And growing up in the religious community that we did grow up in, there was this kind of unspoken thing of, well, you've had sex,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're together, you belong together
2: forever. And
1: especially to me, who who had tried to remove myself from the relationship before,
2: mm-hmm.
1: since I was the man, I was responsible for that. Like you have had better
2: make her an honest woman. Yeah, you
1: you you you've had sex with her. If she wants to be with you, you are obligated to her. Um, And I bring all that up to say is that we had a couple of significant pregnancy scares like in that she was a week or two late. Yikes. And I knew that we were in situations where I did not want her to be pregnant. And even though she didn't say it out loud, I am 95% sure... That she wanted to be pregnant. Oh, god! Because, she, because then I, I would definitely be obligated. And the thing I, I was saying about this earlier: um, I, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. I grew up very religious. The community that I grew up in, I had absolutely no doubt. If she had turned up pregnant either time, I would have married her. Yeah. Barring me just having a complete flip out and dropping off the face of the earth and running away. Right. I would have married her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's in line with what my understanding is of small town church driven communities. It's like, first of all, it's not abnormal to get married and have kids very young. And Mm -hmm. more than that, like, it's almost expected. If you've made it through college and you haven't gotten your significant other, I mean, if you go to college, um, then then you're, like, old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and if you haven't started thinking about kids yet, you're real old. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my impression. But if, I don't know. It sounds like that wasn't far off.
1: No, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I, uh, I, I have a lot of classmates. They married their... High school sweethearts.
2: Mm-hmm. Or
1: maybe the thing like they dated in high school, then they went away, and then, you know, they went to college, and then they came back and married their high school sweethearts. Very much, there's a whole sub-genre of country songs mm-hmm. that, are all, that are all about that right there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, me being someone who did, did not have my first child until age 38, mm-hmm. I am definitely an outlier. Yeah. In the community. Totally. That I came from. Um, in some ways, I, I wish I, I, I had had more years as a parent. But also in other ways, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Because mm-hmm. I... I One, I wasn't emotionally mature enough when I was younger. Yeah. To, to be the parent of a child. Um, and two... Um, I think a lot of people who do have a child, like, younger in their early 20s, like, there, there is this kind of bitterness to having freedom taken away
2: mm-hmm.
1: that I do not have.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I chose to wait until later in adulthood yeah. to have a child.
2: And that's kind of how I, I wanted it as well. I, I wasn't even sure. I mean, the majority of my 20s, I had no idea if I wanted kids at all, but I was inclined against them.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember, because um, this is something that, that Sam and I were talking about earlier, is that yesterday, he had family come into town, and they went into Lincoln Square and like, they did the whole like family thing, and like, pushed a stroller around, and they went to Jerry's. Nice. And, you know, like, you know, they were waiting for a seat at Jerry's, like, there were like three or four strollers, you know, lined up in there. Apologize to listeners, you've, you've, you've heard all this a little bit earlier, uh, but I, you know, I told him that, yeah, when we first moved to Lincoln Square, you know, years ago, like, we would go, like, walking around the square and, like, we'd see all the, the parents, like, walking around with the strollers. And, mm-hmm. like, on one hand, I was thinking, like, that might be us in a few years. But also, on the other hand, I didn't know. Because at that point, neither of us really knew
2: Yeah, and, and if we wanted to have kids. Early 30s still. Yeah. I was pretty sure I had 35 in, in my mind as the year that I, like, w- would be started starting to really think about it's time to do it and that's when I gave birth in 35 so it kind of worked out to plan um, as far as I had a plan I cannot imagine now let's I I say I wasn't emotionally ready to have a kid in my 20s I don't know if there is anyone who is emotionally ready to have kids at any time (laughs) because it changes you in ways like you cannot even possibly fathom and the, I mean, there are people who have who know like from childhood themselves that they always want kids. You know, mm-hmm. those folks probably are a step ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wasn't one of those people. But these kids certainly have no idea how to raise kids mm-hmm. and what that's going to mean and how difficult. Like they said, the the girl. I'm sorry, what's her name? Billy.
1: Billy. Billy. That's Jean. right. Yeah.
2: Oh my God! It's Billy and Willie. Mm-hmm. Will, w- Willie's her dad.
1: No, no, Will, no. Will, Willie's, Willie's her the father, boyfriend. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That'd have been an, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't even write a country song. Well, maybe oh, five. you definitely
1: could write a country song around that. Wow. Yeah, but let's talk about the dad, not the father of the child, but Billy's sure. dad.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, I totally lost my train of thought there. But anyway, the dad,
1: mm. <laughs>
2: gruff, country mm. guy.
1: Yeah, it is worth noting uh, he was also the uh, writer and director. Let me look that up here real quick. I know he definitely was uh, the director of the episode. We'll take a look here. Um, no, no, no. He directed the episode. Deborah Pratt wrote the episode. Okay. Yeah, and Deborah Pratt is co executive producer. I call her a co creator because she was Don Belisario's wife at the time. So, yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, James Whitmore. He also he directed a fair number of episodes, um, and he also appeared as a as a mirror image oh. later on in the last season.
2: Fun, okay.
1: of the show. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Just the thing. It, it's like you you want to hate him, but in, in the first scene that him and Sam have together, you can cont- like there are a lot of things to dislike about him, but also at the same time, like. He does live by a certain moral code that you can admire, in a way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing is, like, like he's not a total dick. Like, you can tell, like, he's really hurting yeah. at the end of the scene. And as he walks out after and as um, Billy and Dottie are, are leaving, like, you can tell, like, he's, you know, he's very emotionally yeah. torn about what he really wants to do
2: well it's nice that they set that but it's clear that he does care Mm -hmm. and he misses her and that they had a relationship a strong one
1: yeah but it's all about you know it's you know it's what's right and it's what and it's about what the community thinks
2: which and correct me if I'm wrong but I would imagine a small rural town like appearances and moral code like social structure all these things matter exponentially more
1: mm-hmm. um
2: and and she violated that code
1: and oh I'm sure I mean it's true like anyway, I mean especially in the 50s like yeah well, anywhere at the imagine. time but especially you know they, they don't really you know they don't have the, the 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 time to like really delve into what the community is like but you can yeah. imagine like small rural well, they, community you know, does doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if it's in Oklahoma or if it was in Maine. Sure, I'm sure you know there would be a lot of similar dynamics. Totally.
2: Well, I mean, even in a big city, if a woman gets pregnant out of wedlock in the '50s, like she's a hussy, she's a mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. even then, like I remember, um, I may have told you this before. My ex-wife's best friend got. It was either in high school or just right out of high school, but still living at home.
2: Mm.
1: Her parents did not know she was pregnant until she was eight months pregnant. Oh, God. She might have been so unaware, she may not have even known that she was pregnant. Yikes. And her parents were so embarrassed by it. When their granddaughter was born, they didn't tell anybody. And in fact... When company came over to visit, they would hide the baby in another room.
2: That's ridiculous.
1: I don't know how old the baby was, but it was a time before they told friends that their daughter had had a baby. Wow. Out of wedlock. Well, wow.
2: That's really sad. Well, you know, my grandmother was adopted when she was just days old, uh-huh. because her biological mother had her when she was 15. Uh-huh. And you can only imagine. There was talk of... Um, there was like a, a soldier or sailor or somebody coming into town, and that's mm-hmm. who the father was. And, the of course, the daughter probably wasn't allowed to or could not keep the baby. And um, so my grandma was adopted by my great-grandparents. Um, the mother was, quote barren end quote which is a scandal in and of itself Mm -hmm. Um, so they pretended as far as I know they pretended that she was their biological daughter like through and through it wasn't until Minnie was my grandmother was 18 18 years and she found out that she was adopted she did not know that she was adopted because they they she was their daughter as far as everyone was concerned society thought like I'm sure you could just pretend oh I just I don't I don't show very much you know Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a small person whatever and um and Minnie was so my grandmother was so little when she was brought home that anyone would believe that yeah yeah um that was their their real daughter um but the shame involved around all of it all of it the not being able to have kids, being able to have kids too young, adopting, like all... It's just so sad, and especially because knowing now what it's like to have a brand-newborn and how happy and... But also, like, super-duper emotional in those first couple weeks. I can't imagine not being able to talk about it and share it with people, and especially the people that you trust the most, and especially when you are so young... 16, 15 years old and you have this profound thing happen to you and suddenly this weight of responsibility and wash of love and, and you're on your own and even made to feel bad about it. it is just gross. It's a real failing in our society. Absolutely. So sad. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what do you think about Skeeter? You had some thoughts about Skeeter. Wait, Skeeter is Dottie's that? boyfriend. Oh Yeah. The knocked-up trash needs my help, Dottie.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a piece of shit. Piece, piece of shit. Yeah, she could do totally a lot better. She was adorable, by the way. Mm-hmm. Dottie was fantastic. I loved her outfits. I loved her hair. I mm-hmm. liked how she had a salon in her house. It's very Steel Magnolias. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked how she was helping out and uh, Jean, of course, mm-hmm. because not everybody would. Mm-hmm. Clearly,
1: yeah. That house, by the way, I did mention it in Sam's segment. That house—it's the same house they use for everything, all the time. That's yeah, so funny. Yeah,
2: I would. I, mean, would
1: I know. Not yeah, yeah. Ever
2: recognize? But that's cool. Mm-hmm. That. Um, yeah, he, he's a jerk, but he probably and represents the part of society that projects her. Basically, that's, sure. He says everything that they are saying, and it just like the fact too that he like called her trash or something. While well, she's either going into labor or like—that's
1: it, yeah, going into labor. God, yeah.
2: What an asshole! I mean, yeah
1: thing is, like, yeah, I mean, there, there is, there's nothing redeemable about him. But you brought up the great point, like he is representative of what everybody is saying.
2: Yeah, he's he's because we don't see a bunch of the community, like you said, uh, he's got to be the, the voice of like what she's up against, really. Yeah. And um, I get it. But he's a jerk. Yeah. And going into labor is really scary, and having someone call you a slut or something in the middle of it, I would punch his face in.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I don't even want to share this story. Like, they're just. Yeah, just talking about this with you, it's just. Uh. Yeah. It just reminds me of. I, I'm not even going to share the story. I, just, I, I don't want to turn it into trauma porn. Uh-huh. But it's just like a, a story of just like things that. My high school girlfriend's stepdad would say to her, "Oh jeez, uh, things implying about how sexually active she was before she even thought about becoming sexually active. It's gross, yeah.
2: that's huh. so messed up on so many levels because yeah. like he's thinking about it, but she's not. Yeah. Why is her dad thinking about her being sexually active? And also he was an alcoholic or something too, right? Well, we're talking
1: about the stepdad. Her stepdad. Oh, okay. Not even stepdad, but her her mom's new husband okay. that, that came along when she was 13 or 14. Great. Yeah. Super. Gross. Yeah.
2: Disgusting. Yeah. Well, you want to hope Karma's going to take care of all that.
1: Well, I think he's dead. Probably. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, anyway.
2: One can only hope that he's le- leapt into a pregnant... Sixteen-year-old somewhere. Oh,
1: reincarnation that way, huh? Yeah. That, that way. Yeah, a little. Little. a little, uh, a, a little karmic there.
2: justice.
1: Yeah. So we talked about. Uh, I think the uh, the only other primary character from the episode that we have talked about uh, the adoption agent. Oh yeah. That was just a very. We talked about this. Uh, talked about this with Sam. That was just a very lovely scene. We were talking about how. You could not have changed any of the dialogue, and still you, the actor, could have taken it to make uh, to make this woman a very cold and unforgiving person. I but wanted ins- to hate her, but instead, she she was a very warm and compassionate. Yeah. Person.
2: Yeah. I am. Um, I was all ready to hate her, and and I was anticipating her like coming down hard with Bible verses and crap like that. Mm-hmm. Something you know to make her feel bad a- again more Mm -hmm. you know Um, but no she was actually I mean if there was any social or um, government support in place I guess she's kind of the face of that sort of Mm -hmm. Um, it just sucks that that's the only option really Mm -hmm. available to her but she was nice Mm -hmm. she listened she understood and she was honest which is you know surprisingly tough because when you're pregnant, people treat you like a child. Like, you cannot make your own mind up. Like, yeah. you can't have the whole story because you're just so emotional. And and you're, like, embarking on, on one of the biggest things you will ever do in your life, before or after. I mean, raising a child is incredibly challenging, of course, but, like, physically, emotionally, going through labor and childbirth is enormous mm-hmm. and it should be respected not like condescended to mm-hmm. you know and and this lady got it I mean it helps that she's a woman but mm-hmm. she she was honest and said no you won't ever get to see your baby mm-hmm. and she needed to hear that truth yeah. and be told calmly and and with respect what her options were and what she was getting into mm-hmm. Cause God, apparently something went wrong the first time around when she spent the rest of her life looking for her kid.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I was glad that the adoption agent wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was nice. Yeah, and then there's Effie,
2: mm-hmm. the
1: the 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 younger black girl who was working oh, at yeah. the daddy shop.
2: I liked her too. She spoke the truth.
1: Yes, she was like the, like uh, the the uh, a little bit like the voice of reason uh, in the episode in some yeah. ways. Yeah, and also like the the, the the cute scene like where Sam and Al are trying to figure out who the babe, who the who the, the baby's dad is. Yeah, and she just walks in. Oh yeah, Willie's walking home right now. <laughs> yeah, and, like I was like out of the mouths of babes. Yeah,
2: right, right. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, and also kids just catch everything. Mm-hmm. But you you get the sense from her that she speaks from a life and experience beyond her years. Like when she go goes to get um, mm-hmm. Billy's dad. Oh god,
1: yeah, that. Oh man, that's just like watching that when I was younger didn't hit me, and even watching it probably a couple years ago. Oh, I know that scene didn't hit me, but watching it last night, mm-hmm. now being a dad and. and, and it got through that experience. And even like, you know, there was, it, it's a very common, but there was like a, a scary experience when you were going through your labor of like every time you push really hard, like his oxygen dropped down yeah, really low. And when he was born, like he had to be whisked away for a few seconds because he wasn't crying when, when he came out. And, like yeah. There was only about five seconds, but it was a long five seconds. Sure. Um, and there was even one point during the labor when... I had to like Go around the corner of the room And just like Freak out for like Five seconds Because I was really worried And also uh, Yeah I have my own Trauma of why I, I just I, I, Like I don't like Hospitals And I think the odds Are stacked against you When you go into a hospital Anyway Anyway Sure uh, But yeah That that scene Where where he drops on uh, Billy's dad That You know Her I think it was her sister Her older sister Yeah um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was the one who, who died in childbirth actually? Aha! Yeah.
2: Well, it was on the heels of he's like she'll have, she doesn't. He, he didn't want to take her to the hospital. He didn't want to stop what he was doing to take the hospital. She'll give birth at home just like her mom did. Which oh, men sure have a lot of opinions about where women should have their babies. Yeah, that's super nice. Like it doesn't matter if she, you know. It doesn't matter if he wanted her to have the baby at home. If she wanted to have the baby in the hospital, she should get get, get your ass to, to your daughter to make sure that she gets to the fucking hospital. Yeah. But um, I thought that that little girl just brought it all home to him. Like,
1: yeah. Well, in that case, this is d- a
2: serious situation. Yeah.
1: They, they couldn't get a hold of him, and so he didn't know. And so, like, her showing up was the first was the first thing that he heard that that she was going to labor. It was Skeeter who got called and said. We need a ride. And Skeeter was the one who said, no, I'm not coming.
2: Yeah, but the dad also said, she'll have, she'll give birth yes. at home. Yes. Mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, but then it's, it's when Effie yeah, drops. Yeah. Yeah. It's when Effie drops on him and, and that's when he can yeah. I will say, I want to go back. Uh, we we, we wax a little poetic about Hunter Bonley, or that's the actor who plays Skeeter. Because uh, he he's in one of the Halloween movies. Oh, okay. Which I'm, I'm currently re-watching right now. But anyway, there's this one moment like when when he's on the phone call and this is his last scene before he hangs up on Dottie. He does this one thing that I'm sure was his like the actor's idea and I love while he's in the middle of having this argument, he holds up his empty glass to the bartender off-screen mm-hmm. and silently asks for another beer.
2: Yeah. Such
1: a jerk. Ah, I love that. It's it just it—it it just drives home what a jerk he is. Yeah,
2: he's already made up his mind that not only is he not going to go help these two women, he's, he's having another beer. beer. Yeah, he's going to have another beer because fuck all of them basically. Yeah, I—I I mean, it's true that not everybody realizes what a serious situation childbirth is, mm-hmm. and how bad things can go, how quickly, and. Um, Yes, it's a storm, and yes, she's young, but no, don't. Just get her to the freaking hospital. It's her first child. Um, Anybody would want to make sure that she's there, and they're all just like, Mm -hmm. So I was glad that um, Effie brought it all home, and with, you know, the mist on her face, it was just a beautiful little Mm -hmm. heartbreaking shot of, and, you know, the look in her eyes too, like, white man, you have it tough. You think you have it tough, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you don't know tough. Yeah, basically. And uh, I appreciated that moment that seemed very heavy and appropriate.
1: Yeah. Um, so let's talk. We, we've talked about uh, let's talk about Sam and Al and like their reaction to the situation.
2: Yeah. Well, they both seem to handle it um, with due respect. And Sam super got into it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, he he gets yeah towards the end like it, it's the jello and onion scene mm-hmm. where he gets he gets delirious and excited about the idea of having a baby. And like, I don't think he's coming at it from like a um, you know I'm a I'm a scientist. and what an exciting thing for a man to have a baby. I think mm-hmm. he's getting overwhelmed by the like like maternal hormones yeah and like he's genuinely excited just like as a human being to be giving birth
2: yes well he should be yes yes i was excited for him you know like he's he's getting into the spirit of it even though he's also suffering a lot of the the hardships that come along with pregnancy um but yeah yeah he was he was genuinely excited and talking to al about the baby and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was it was cute. It felt as real as it could. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say one hundred percent because I still he's a dude. Yeah. At the end of the day, but um, yeah. I feel like he handled it sweetly mm-hmm. and probably
1: accurately. Yeah. So you talked about when we were watching it last night, you talked about the timing of when he leaped out.
2: Yes, yes. I thought it was really sad he didn't get to give birth Mm. because that's the culmination of so much pain and work and, you know, not just the hours of labor, but almost a year of your life being pregnant Mm -hmm. with a, a, you have a child, like, you know, it's there and then you can feel it moving around Mm -hmm. and he didn't get to go through all of that, but he clearly was getting some of that. Excitement, and he had to put up with some of like he threw up, he felt sick, he felt tired, he just wanted to lie down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he had some of the pregnancy. He had some of the pregnancy, and mm-hmm. it was sad that he didn't get to to have that release that
1: that thing joyful. Afterwards. Now I'm going to throw that. Uh, this is the thing: like we, we so often like we, we leap out and we don't like really like see what happens to the characters afterwards. But to, to throw this out at you. Um, what would that have been like for? Because the, they 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 heavily imply that while he's giving birth in 1955, Billy is also going through the process of giving birth until the baby disappears yeah. from the womb. Yeah. So
2: what? That was super weird.
1: It, it was... and, it, it, and they it,
2: never talked. And it, yeah, that. we never.
1: Yeah, just just go along with it. Sure. Uh but also on the flip side, what do you think about because? Sam, having gone through like when you say like giving birth I seem you mean like you know you know giving giving birth and having the cord cut and having you know you know skin to skin time or even if they they not even have that term back then, but you know like getting to hold the baby for the first time mm-hmm. that also means that's something that's taking away from I, Billy's experience
2: sure, and I would of course not want that to be taken away from her. she's the mom mm. Mm-hmm. But I, I meant, no, just, like, the physical release of...
1: Oh, of actual...
2: Yeah. That there is a physical, like, closure mm-hmm. to that. Um, and that's it's a shame because, I mean, it's all this physical effort leading up to something and then to just leap into some place where you're, you're not even doing that anymore would be, like, so jarring and so disappointing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, of course... Like, if he had left and... Or if he got to hold the baby and that would be neat and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um no, I meant just the physical part of... The like physical. Completing the act of labor. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a huge, huge relief. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um Yeah.
1: Wherever he's pushing from.
2: Right, which... Don't think too
1: hard about that, I guess. But the thing like, is, I guess, it's something that, that, that Sam and I talked about. Like, this is the first episode... Where they really in detail explain, like the like the fact that it, it's Sam who physically leaves; he's just surrounded by the aura of the person he's replaced. Right. And in the first episode, where they fully in detail explain how it works, they break that rule. Yeah. <laughs> they have to break it in some way, and mm-hmm. so we just say, hey, you, you just go along with it." You know, I got it, the impression it was you know, like the
2: God Factor. Like, well, yes,
1: yeah, and with every episode of Quantum Leap, like you have to. It, it's like. The the, the sci fi part is there to serve the story, mm-hmm. and whatever whatever whether they they have to twist how the science works to serve the story, that's what they do. Yeah,
2: I i bought it enough, you know.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and it's okay, I think, to break the rule a little bit in this case because babies are cosmic and magical. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And and unpredictable, and it's it's a neat little idea that they could be sharing the experience of carrying this baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, did you have any other thoughts? I feel like that. That pretty much sums it up for me between that and what Sam and I talk about. And I'm sure uh, Jessica just having experienced childbirth a couple of weeks totally. ago. Two or three weeks ago. Yeah.
2: Oh, bless her. Um, just that Sam did good research as far as like portraying being mm-hmm. pregnant, especially not having a belly on or anything
1: no yeah we talk about like, so apparently like he did consult his wife at the time mm-hmm. and um, uh, apparently like, like he called a lot of his, his, his women friends who had gone through childbirth and like, mm-hmm. consulted them and he did wear an empathy belly for a while which Deborah Pratt the writer of the episode did by him uh, because he was very concerned about this episode like this is an episode he always wanted to do mm-hmm. but he was also very concerned about getting it wrong
2: well, you can tell he tried very hard and I thought that they also, uh, they captured not only his emotions like being wheeled in from the very beginning and how scary that can be and like, um, y- you know, disorienting and, and, and then carrying that on through like just being physically uncomfortable and like the way he picked himself up out of chairs and uh, the way he laid himself down and things that uh, were comforting like extra pillows and stuff like that yeah um that's something that clearly reflects the research that went on and uh, particularly the way that he picked himself up and down and because it's, it's not easy to imagine like you have to move like hips first everywhere you go pretty mm-hmm. much
1: that's the thing i remember about your last few weeks of mm-hmm. being pregnant is yeah. is that yeah right there it's just like how you how you had to you, you couldn't take anything for granted. Like, you had to put so much thought in how you moved... <laughs> yep. In, ...in any way, shape, or form. It's true. I mean, everything is so uncomfortable.
2: It's like having a big, big liquid bowling ball in front of you. Um, and about the same weight, really. Yeah. A little bit more, the placenta. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he did He did good. Yeah. As far as that... I, I Passable. Quite passable. And, oh, God... The, the scene after he talks to the father um, the kid.
1: yeah, the, the young father. Oh when he goes into labor yeah.
2: when he goes into labor on the street in the dust and I just went, oh God, what a metaphor you know <laughs> <laughs> you right yeah girl. It was
1: it yeah, that wasn't entirely metaphor for yeah yeah, for everything. And then it was, was just a great shot like 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 the, the the crane shot that they did of starting off and mm-hmm. and hovering up with the crane and like it it ends with like it pans out and the background you can see still Willie running yeah. away. Uh, yeah.
2: And she's just miserable in the dust yeah. on the road of a small town. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was a good episode. Yeah. My-
1: so uh yeah speaking of babies it it's our babies. Uh, he's 18 months old.
2: Yeah. Today. year and a half.
1: That's kind of, so cute. That's a milestone. Yeah. He's so big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are... I say this all the time. Like There are days when I leave for work, when I come back at the end of the day, it seems like he's grown like three inches. Yeah. He's getting so much bigger.
2: He's huge. I pick yeah. him up sometimes. I'm like, where did all this come from? Yeah. <laughs> you weren't this big a minute ago.
1: Yeah.
2: Today, he did choo-choo noises at Aldi because I bought... I bought tissues for our road trip that uh-huh. have Thomas the Tank Engine on the, t- on the oh. front. And he, of all the things that I got from the dollar store, the tissues with Thomas were his favorite thing. And uh, so he was making these noises. I'm like, he's choo-choo trai- training. He's going choo-choo-choo-choo. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Nobody has taught him that. We don't mm. want Thomas at home. Uh-huh. He's just a little huge baby sponge. Yeah, That's amazing.
1: Well, on that note... Yeah. We should get out of here and pass it on to to Sam and Jess, or back to Sam and I. We haven't decided what order
0: this is going in. Sure. But yeah. Whichever. Awesome. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. Two weeks you. in a row. That was yeah. fun.
0: Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, I am here with my wife, Jessica. Uh... As Dennis and I uh, said, we were doing things a little bit differently this week, uh, trying something new, and uh, felt it was very appropriate for this specific episode, um, so uh, you'll be hearing uh, me and Jessica, and you'll be hearing Dennis and Betsy. Um, so yeah, Jessica, hello. Hi. How are you? Uh,
3: I'm pretty good. A little sleep-deprived? Slep- what is it? Sleep-deprived, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, clearly.
3: <laughs> um Yeah. As I'm sure you've mentioned. I have. About three weeks ago, we had our baby, Hattie. And uh, so, yeah, this episode was very fresh for me. Familiar. (laughs) Yeah. In a way. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, you know, let's just jump right in then. Speaking of that, I I mean, obviously, uh, Sam experiences or seems to experience a lot of you know, full term pregnancy symptoms, mm-hmm. e- even going so far as to, like going into labor. Right. Um, now on, on the other, on Dennis's other podcast, uh, dad to the future, which he, he actually, um, released a special preview episode that included, um, me talking about Hattie, you know, and, and the birth experience. And, uh, what we talked about was of course that you had precipitous labor um, which is, I don't know, did you do the research? How many people, is that like a, a common thing, or is it more of a rare uh, thing?
3: I don't think it's very common. I had a bunch of stuff I think that was a little bit more unusual. Yeah. Um, Like My Water Broke um, first, which you see a lot in the film, although you didn't see that happen in this one, which <laughs> I think is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, But that's actually pretty rare. Not rare, but it's it's less common for labor to start that way.
0: Yeah. Certainly less common than, you know, film and television would lead you to believe. Correct. Um, And then precipitous labor itself, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about what that is?
3: Yeah, so I I don't know a ton about it, but um, it's when... I think it's like everything happens within a certain time frame that's very, very short. So for me, I was in the the hospital... um, clocked me as having active labor for I think it was an hour and like 35 minutes and then I pushed for 25 minutes so the thing about it is if you have um, children in the future you have it's important to know that you had precipitous labor the first time because most likely it'll be even faster the second time
0: yeah it's it, it usually it's uh, well not usually I mean clinically it's under three hours. Okay. So if, if, yeah, if, if active labor lasts less than three hours, that's what it's considered. Um, and it's also, generally speaking, it's also f- much more intense, right?
3: Um, yeah, I, I think at least for me anyway, it was a little bit of like shell shock, because um, it happened so quickly. And I think the, you don't really have time to, you're, you're just flooded with so much hormones and emotions and and everything's just so quick you don 't really have time to take it all in, so I definitely felt a little bit um, I, I don't at the time I felt like kind of traumatized I think looking back on it i I've, I've I can think about it and not feel that way anymore, but at the time, I just felt a little bit like run over by a truck um, (laughs) that it just it just happened so so fast and not in at all the way I expected I expected it to be kind of more like what you see here in the episode where like sure he was clearly in a lot of pain um but like it I felt like I was in another planet and I know that that some people have more um intense contractions than others you know you feel them in different places um I was pretty much just paralyzed once they started coming quickly, or once they just started. I mean, the, the, at first I wasn't really feeling anything, um, and then they just came on out of nowhere, and it was just out of ten right away. Yeah. So I, I, watching this, I felt in a way still um, a little jealous of his experience
2: <laughs> because I didn't
3: get that sort of... His clearly was very quick, too. I mean, um, I don't know exactly movies obviously are going to speed the timeline along you know he wasn't sitting in the hospital for hours but um i definitely had like envisioned myself you know i had done um, a lot of yoga and sort of meditation and so i imagined oh i know got an angry baby (laughs) (laughs) um i i had imagined you know sort of Going through and experiencing the contractions and really sort of like visualizing and, and imagining you know the baby and 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 it just really wasn't like that at all it was it felt a lot scarier and more intense and just yeah very fast, much faster than I had anticipated so that is a thing with precipitous labor or or even anybody who maybe has a c section or or it, things that don't don't go the way they thought it can be kind of difficult for people and, and I know people can, can experience a lot of sadness um, and regret about their labor not going the way they thought it was and we kind of talked about that um, with at my midwife appointment but I, you know I did I do feel a little disappointed that it didn't go the way that I thought it would but um, you know I don't feel I, I it is I guess a, a unique story and, and it resulted in our baby so <laughs> uh but I I did really enjoy pregnancy I didn't he kind of seemed like he was getting more of the rough symptoms sure. of pregnancy you know the morning sickness um which can be all day long and uh the food cravings and what else was he having
0: there was some moodiness and it yeah. swings. like he would be laughing and angry oh, yeah, and then yeah right. yeah the laughing oh I didn't
3: was, r- and... I didn't realize that's what that was supposed to be yeah I just thought he was being weird <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't, I, I had a pretty mild pregnancy, I think. So that felt a little bit more like the cliche to me cause it didn't really speak to my experience. I know lots of people do have, you know, one or all of those symptoms,
0: sure. um, and I know I know for me even that there was definitely an element of things not going how I had envisioned them cuz certainly with with like our birth class that was something that uh I even remarked like on our last night there about how I felt like the class had given me a way to truly visualize how things may go. Mm-hmm. And of course that was one of the things we talked a lot about it might not go this way that this is just right. you know one sort of you know uh, uh, um scenario that that, that you could have um, with with birth and with labor. Um, But it ended up feeling very compressed to the point that I know for me personally, there was a moment when I sort of thought, okay, this is, you know, the things are going to start now. And then it was like all of the stuff in between there and sort of the finish line, if you will, just got cut out. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do for a second. Like I literally was standing there at one point and I was like, I don't know what to do. Um, and it, and it, and it took, uh, the midwife kind of saying like, okay, you know, you're in, like, go for it. I was like, okay, okay, I got this now. Mm-hmm. And then I felt better. I felt more confident and I, you know, and I felt like I could really focus on you and I could, but I had a moment where it's like, I-, I don't know, this isn't how it was supposed to go. Um, now certainly I, I within the confines of this sci-fi fantasy, you know, television show and the sure. element of that, like you say, it, it, it seems as though, um, Sam is kind of experiencing a lot of what happens during pregnancy mm-hmm. all in 24 hour span. Right. Whereas like you know we know that morning sickness is typically something that you really only get within the first trimester. Um right. You know that, that cravings and stuff you know can I come think- early but most of the time they come like second trimester-ish you know that sort of stuff like based on like what we've read and what we've been told. Um. So it almost seems like I mean, would you agree that it does seem like he experiences some of the stuff that you'd normally get early, as as though he were going through the entire, like, nine months within 24 hours?
3: Yeah, and I felt like they did it in a way, like, with Al, this little part where he said, you know, it's only the first three months where you have morning sickness. You know, and it kind of made it clear to me that, that he was going through something different, and it was. Like, he was kind of going through an accelerated version. I think partially because the writers wanted to be able to show him having all the... Yeah. the different symptoms and i think also because they did sort of turn it into sort of the sci-fi thing like you know the fact that he is feeling all these things but is a man and doesn't have a baby in his stomach you know I, right. I i think it worked i think it worked with having al say that they didn't have to like beat you over the head with it and explain it super detailed they, they could leave it a little nebulous but i thought it 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 was a a sort of trick that worked
0: To kind of show the whole, yeah, progression. Now, um, you mentioned the writers. This episode was written by Deborah Pratt. Okay. So, um, you know, as we've talked about, just as kind of to refresh your memory a little bit, she, by a lot of fans, is basically considered like the co-creator of the Mm -hmm. show Mm -hmm. because she was married to Donald Bellisario at the time that the show was on, and uh, she wrote a lot of episodes, a lot of some you know the the better episodes, quite frankly. Um, And she and Donald Bellisario had a daughter. Uh, She would have been, I think four around the time this episode aired or so so you know I mean at that point I would imagine that there's still you know I mean four years on from Mm -hmm. a big event like giving birth I would imagine that you're still you know you're removed from it now you've certainly got some distance from it to look at it in a very different way and yet at the same time it would still be with you more than 10 or 15 years down the road
3: right well I think that probably as a woman she got some joy out of having a man have to go through all this stuff now, I feel like I was very lucky that you were really understanding of the pregnancy, and so I didn't really feel that like need to be like that
0: men just don't understand what it is to go
3: through, but I feel like if you hadn't have been so understanding um, I would have felt that more <laughs> and I would have wanted um you know you to sort of feel my pain, but I think that there is sort of some satisfaction about watching him having to sort of experience it all. Um, And...
0: Habby, how do you think he did? Because one of the things that he uh, has talked about in interviews is that this was one of his favorite episodes... Of playing a woman, of having leapt into uh-huh. a woman, um, and that he talked with his wife. He spoke with um, some of his friends, including a couple who were actually pregnant at the time that the episode was was being filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he had conversations with Deborah Pratt. I think she gave him a pregnancy belly to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know, he tried to, to do as much as he possibly could in a very compressed time frame because you—I know, mean—they're shooting these, right. you know, within a week to ten days. So just at you know. I, I from my perspective it's you know it, it never felt over the top no, or, or fake No I th-
3: thought it was great. I thought it felt realistic and it felt like it could have easily become sort of one of those things like oh look at how a man is handling it versus how a woman did like it just it was just a human handling pregnancy and I thought that that was kind of really nice that it wasn't sort of a stereotypical Experience it did feel very realistic and kind of just how a person would go through it, yeah. Um, which I thought worked well, as opposed to sort of feeling. I don't know. I don't think it would have worked as well if he had been like, "Oh, I'm a man going through these things as much." I don't. I don't know what I'm saying, but
0: no, no, I I actually totally get what you're saying because it's like there's um. Is there, there's a movie, is there, where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is pregnant or something? Oh, like, I, yeah, I, don't,
3: I have never seen it. But
0: but I but but I feel like it, it definitely does more of what you're talking about. You know, a I mean, it's a comedy, so it plays sure. mostly for laughs. But there are definitely elements of it. I think you know, by the end of it, of course, the Great Equalizer is is like this is a, a, a you know incredibly intense experience, right. regardless. But you know, I think it probably plays with that a little bit more uh, uh, than this, which it does try to handle things a little bit more realistically. Um, so not to, I mean, not to change subject too much, but I, I think we've kind of covered that element of the episode fairly well. So um, let's talk a little bit about the the episode itself. Um, one of the things that I kind of got early on, and Dennis and I didn't even talk about this, but there's that moment where they enter the beauty parlor for the first time, mm-hmm. and I could not help but Be reminded of Steel Magnolias.
3: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Which the film had come out, you know, around the time, and we know Quantum Leap tries, you know, plays with that on on occasion. Um, So I'm not, I'm not crazy. In in I mean,
3: I've never seen the movie. I've only read the play. Uh, But yes, now that you say that, it definitely. You know, there's a pregnant young pregnant woman in it they're yeah. in a beauty parlor you know getting their hair done now they're they're a little more supportive I think it's still <laughs> right but, right um I did think that lady was a little I don't know it was just I think maybe partially because it was like trying to soothe the crying baby and it was just like this lady just like right off the bat yelling and yelling right. and i was just like whoa lady you have one note and that note is just screaming <laughs>
0: Well, it is interesting, though, because one of the things that I was thinking about as I was watching this episode, and obviously the the character that you're talking about, um, uh, Miss, uh, what's her name? Um,
3: Luis Lutz? I don't remember.
0: Is it Mrs. Suffy? I don't know. Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Suffy is is the one whose hair is like turned purple, right. and, you know. Which did look um,
3: pretty cool. Actually.
0: <laughs> it's punk, right. um, uh, which which honestly in 1955 would have had a very different meaning. Um, oh, yeah. But they don't they don't touch that at all. Um, it, other than Mrs. Suffy, though, in that kind of blow up, it's really interesting the the three female characters within this episode are very different from what we get in a lot of other quantum leap episodes because there's no love interest there's no like out and out villainous you know female Mm -hmm. character Mm -hmm. we've gotten a lot of episodes and i would even argue especially in this season where we have had kind of villainous females or you know not quite helpless female love interest but close to it And this is a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways because Dottie is definitely not that. Mm -hmm. You know, Effie, the the young girl, is great. Yeah. Um, And then one of the more remarkable characters, actually, that um, Dennis and I did talk about uh, was the adoption agent. Um, Oh, yeah. um, Cassie Thaler, played by Ann Haney, um, who's one of those actors that you've seen a lot of. Um, Do you want to talk at all about that? Like, to contrast that to maybe some of the other episodes that we've seen... And I know you've not watched every episode with right. me, but, you know, would you agree with that assessment?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, what you said about there not being a villain is really... I mean, the dad maybe was a little over the top of <laughs> sort of anger about it, and then, I don't know, came in at the end and was supportive. But I, at my very first thought when I started watching it was, like, I'm getting creepy vibes from the OB yeah. Uh, the doctor. The, way he's, the like doctor. rubbing her shoulders. Yeah, and I thought maybe <laughs> that the episode was going to be a little bit about like women needing to advocate for themselves in like health, but I guess that feels like a little bit more like an episode of Quantum Leap would be about nowadays because I've definitely seen this article being passed mm. around recently about like, you know, women sort of kind of being violated when during sort of their um, maternal, um, prenatal health care. Um, you know things being done without their consent and and um, and that kind of stuff, and so I feel like it would be a different episode if it were to be done today and mm. it would maybe be a little bit more about that. Um, so it was actually kind of refreshing that it wasn't mm. like you said I mean I think it's important to to know about all that stuff, but at the same time, this felt a little lighter in a way obviously there's a it's a pretty serious topic and with the adoption. But even then, it didn't feel too preachy. I think maybe that's what I'm I'm trying to say is the episode didn't feel overly preachy. Like even the, the woman that was trying to to convince him to put up the baby for adoption, like it didn't, she wasn't somebody that you hated. She wasn't somebody that you were like, you know, you know, those crazy people that are, you know, just make you mad. She, she was, she had legitimate reasons that I think, um, Dottie, that's... (laughs) the woman the the younger the pregnant girl's name uh,
0: no 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 the billy jean oh, billy jean. jean is you the you know
3: name. legitimate things that billy jean had thought of herself clearly and and had decided to do and so you know i think it was that was kind of yeah it was refreshing and nice to have i don't know the it kind of put the intensity i guess on the pregnancy versus and sort of the anticipation of like what is going to happen and just sort of how pregnancy is in general like the anticipation building of when's this baby going to come and
0: yeah. how
3: how is it going to come?
0: Oh, and I also felt like it, it gave them the opportunity to focus more on the relationships between these people as opposed to try to be any sort of message episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and not that, you know... I, one of my favorite Quantum Leap episodes uh, that Deborah Pratt also wrote is Color of Truth Mm -hmm. and that episode certainly has a a message quality to it um, more so than this episode and yet it still does a really good job of focusing on the characters Mm -hmm. and the relationships between these people um you know, this episode I, I, with that adoption scene in particular, I agree. It never gets preachy, uh, in spite of the fact that they talk about God. Sure. <laughs> um, but it, it is very well done and it's a very sensitive scene. And, and, and again, it, it easily could have been this adoption agent who was sort of a villain, right. you know, uh, come to take the baby away and, right. and try to convince her or, or whatnot. Uh, and then because it doesn't play that way and because she does wish her the best at the end or Sam, mm-hmm. the best at the end, it, it, it's really nice. Um, but speaking of the relationships, you mentioned uh, the father, mm-hmm. and um, you know Bob is interesting to me. Uh, I told you that the actor playing him was the director of the episode. Right. Um, I I really I actually really like him. I don't I don't necessarily like the character, but I certainly like the performance. Mm-hmm. I feel like the scene at the refinery between Sam and Bob is really well done, and and you know. We talked a lot during the episode Runaway, mm-hmm. which I know that you didn't actually watch, but it, in that episode, one of the characters, the father character, is, is very, you know, this sort of chauvinistic, um, father-knows-best, uh, you know, stereotypical 50s or 60s dad with, mm-hmm. with you know, a bit of a, a harder edge to him. You know, he, he kind of reminds you a little bit of, of, of Red from that 70s show. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because this character is similar in that he does react the way you would think a father in 1955 would react to a 16-year-old daughter getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's definitely a blue-collar element to this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, there does seem to be... Like he hasn't fully disowned her, right? You know, I mean, yes, he's embarrassed by her. Yes, he's upset by her. Yes, he's. But, but, I. But there is.
3: He says some nasty stuff, doesn't he? Calls her some names and things.
0: Does does he? I thought Keeter was the only one that really called her names.
3: Maybe okay. So part of the I. But I think about having a newborn is you can't always give your attention 100% to whatever else you're doing. So, I did get them a little confused. I think I think that's a theme for me is getting the characters confused. And uh I didn't follow that dad storyline super closely. Okay, fair enough. Or um the guy whatever his name is the the guy that got her pregnant? Willis. Yeah. Um
0: which is also, that's also a really interesting scene.
3: Yeah, What? so what was that the end where he was just like, I really wish I could help, but I can't? And then, like, that was it? Yeah. Interesting. Okay.
0: And, and and I feel like one of the things that I like so much about that scene, and, and, and even more so on a second viewing of the episode, is it ends up feeling very honest mm-hmm. um, and and sad, obviously. Well, and
3: again, he's not a villain in that way. Right. Where you're just like, yeah, buddy, I get it. Like, those are really legitimate things, and you're very honest about, you know, wanting to help, but, you know, also wanting what's best for you, and, and because they had the option of adoption, and that's what they were planning on doing, it makes sense that, you know, he would, you didn't feel, you know, like he was just some scumbag guy that was walking away, I mean, I, I do think he should have stepped up, and he, he did get the option of walking away, which, you know, at the end of the day, Billie Jean, I guess she could have too, but didn't um but it was a little easier for him i think to walk away
0: well and and i one of the things um about that scene that i really like and, and with our theater background and, and, you know you think you know where i'm coming from is that you know when you have these when you have a script it's always important you know if you're playing a character obviously to know as much as you can about your character mm-hmm. and i often find uh and i think it's just a general rule that you find out usually more about your character from what other people say about you than you do with what you say to other people, mm-hmm. um, and this is a wonderful example of that because Willis has those lines about how they used to talk about books yeah. and going places and all these things, and how she was you know the smartest person in the town, all this sort of stuff. And, and that's not something we get about Billie Jean at all right. until this moment.
3: Right.
0: And and maybe it reinforces. And I'm not endorsing it at all, mm-hmm. but I, I think it gives you some you know some understanding into perhaps why. Bob, her father, is so upset because maybe he's so disappointed and disheartened that he feels like she gave away her future right. because of this. Right. Another element, though, that I wanted to bring up real quick about the scene between Bob, before because I want to go back to the scene with Willis, is that there's that interesting moment when uh, Sam says that, you know, being pregnant doesn't mean you have to get married. You know, that's mm-hmm. an option, but that's not. And I think that, obviously, in 1955, that would not have been, sure. you know, if you got pregnant, you, you had to. It was like, you either do or you are considered trash or, or whatnot. Right. Um, but Sam obviously brings a fairly progressive uh, uh, point of view to it. Right. And, and clearly, Deborah Pratt does, too. I mean, what what did you think of that? Uh,
3: well, I'm not sure what you mean. Like, in terms of...
0: Just the idea that the, the you know that there is this clash of 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 you know your pregnancy so now you have to get married go find the guy that that knocked you up you know I, well
3: I think in today's day and age like that's not I don't think peop, people will still probably talk and gossip slightly behind doors but I think that's a very common choice nowadays I think people you know choose to be single parents regardless of whether they have a partner um, you know having immersed myself in um, you know, websites and forums for pregnancy and my birth group or whatever, um, there was, there were a couple of different people who were, had no partners and who just wanted to have a kid and, and it was, you know, they had no intention of being with anybody. They had sperm donors or however they did it. Um, and it was, you know, pretty normal. And there's, there of course, there were lots of people with, um, absent the app, the fathers were absent, but, um, a lot of a lot of people who were with together with their partner, but you know they weren't married. And I think in today's age, today's time, it's it's pretty common and not really a big deal. But obviously, yeah, back then,
0: right. Well, do you think? Do, do you think? I mean, one of the the driving elements of the entire episode is Sam finding someone to be able to help Billie Jean take care of the baby. Now, obviously, at sixteen that makes sense. Sure. However, you know, with what you just said, which is a very good point, do you think like, let's, let's, you know, let's say that Billie Jean was 22. Right. Like, do you think that that, if that element were used, would it be unnecessary?
3: Well, that is a really good point about her, like just wanting some help basically. And I, I do think that that's, that is really key. Cause I don't know what the situation is for a lot of these people that I was talking about, but I would imagine that most people do have some sort of support or you would hope because yeah. I can't imagine trying to do this a hundred percent by myself. And I think, you know, back in the day, it was a little bit more like, you know, people would live with multiple generations under one roof and it was a lot easier to, you know, raise a family and, you know, live your life. And, and I think. Today, everybody's so spread out, and you you could very easily be very much alone, and that would be very difficult. And I can understand why, you know, the father or her father and and um, her friend wouldn't want her to have to do that by herself, and why, you know, I could see too why, Dottie wouldn't want to necessarily volunteer to be a part of that. I mean, raising a baby is a lot of work. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was thinking too when. I think Sam said something like, oh, you know, the baby won't take up much space, and I was like, sure, the baby doesn't take up that much space, but the baby's stuff takes up a lot of space, <laughs> and the baby is very needy, and, you know, you couldn't just, like, think that you're going to cut someone's hair between the baby's naps, because, like, I, f- most likely you're going to experience what we are, where our baby won't take a nap unless I'm holding her, and... So I can barely even take Which a shower. Which we're doing right now, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, I do think that it it was important that he did bring the whole them all together in the end, and that they did show support. I think it is a very different story when you don't have that, and um, yeah, that's I don't. Perhaps to those people you know good luck because that's yeah no i mean
0: that's great though i i I, like because that that point of view i I think does a wonderful job of uh i mean i don't want to stop just yet but it does a wonderful job of summing up sort of the point of the episode Mm -hmm. which is that sam has to find someone to help billy jean in order to keep the baby to leap and and you know there was a part of me that's kind of thinking like well is you know there's nothing wrong with being a single mother, right that said, at sixteen years old, and even in general we you know we know people and and like you're talking about with blogs that that got help in spite of the fact of being a single mother for a time right you know um and and so I think that uh while there are incredible women out there that do that mm-hmm. um that I don't think we're saying anything negative about you know single mothers or anything no, like that by by you know having the point of this leap be that sam needs to find billy jean someone to help him just some support some it,
3: everyone should i would hope i wish everybody to have support yeah you know they might might they might not have that but you know everyone should have support everyone should whether it's a friend or a family or a partner you know um people just need that regardless of having a baby or not.
0: Well, I think just, you know, contextualizing this episode, it kind of makes it very easy in a way because, you know, that was true in 1955, that would be true in 1991, and that would be true, you know, in in 2018. Um, So going back to the scene with Willis uh, and kind of getting back to what I was saying about how, you know, he ends up telling us just as much about Billie Jean as anyone else Mm -hmm. in this episode, including Billie Jean herself, do you think that there's any like what are your thoughts on the potential for them to have had a relationship do you think that the baby's the only reason that that wouldn't work out do you think that him going off to college you know because that's something that apparently she kind of inspired in him to do that that there was never really any possibility for them to have a long-term relationship I mean you know just young high school love or what you know I don't know what are your thoughts on that
3: I mean I guess in movie world they'd end up together but in real (laughs) life yeah people don't Typically end up with their high school sweethearts. that's like why it's kind of a thing when you do and everyone's like, "Oh wow, that's pretty impressive because I feel like most of the time you know you don't know what you want back then when you're young and and you go off and you do you go to college or you move and so you know maybe back in the fifties they would have been closer in proximity. So would it have been more likely that they would have stayed together? I don't know. There wasn't, like, you know, the internet like there is today where you can find somebody across the world and and marry them. Um, But I don't know. I guess I almost think that the fact that the baby is going to be in Billie Jean's life, like, he could come back from college and and they could get together. Like, I think that her keeping the baby ups the probability that they would be together.
0: Do you think that you know, him making the choice to go to college and do, you know, what he wanted to do. Do you, you know, do you, do you fault him for that? Do you find him to be like irresponsible and selfish?
3: It's, you know, most of the time I would say yes, but in this case, like the way it was done, I just, it didn't really feel, you didn't fault him as much. You understood. And, and I think like maybe if we were to see, you know, 10 years in the future or whatever, and if he was still kind of totally absent from this kid's life then I would have maybe different feelings about him but I, I don't know he just seems so genuinely wanting to help but just didn't know how and he's so young mm-hmm. they're both so young I, I would imagine that like he probably is going to be very much in this kid's life and that he is very much you know he's not going to just go to college and be like see I don't care like he clearly cared yeah. and I think he just he didn't it's a very scary thing
0: well, um, I, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the writing and, and of course, the acting in that, in that scene. And I think that um, it's worth noting, Dennis and I actually talked about almost the entire rest of the cast. For whatever reason, we glossed over uh, Philip Linton, who plays Willis. Um, sadly, he would actually die of complications due to AIDS uh, less than a year after this episode aired.
3: Really?
0: Yeah. Wow, um, so very young. He was very young, uh, 24, I believe 23 wow. or 24. Um, and uh, you know, he's, he, in that one scene, he's, he's really quite good. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and yeah, cause that's not an easy, I mean, for me to stand here and be like, I kind of, he was sort of a likable character and you didn't really fault him for Cause that's, that's yeah. kind of the cliche. <laughs> that's kind of the, the common thing is like the deadbeat dad. That's just going to be like, man, I don't want a part of this and like peace out. But like. I don't know, you did feel sympathy for him, and he did seem, and I, I think that was really smart to put that in there, about how, like, he genuinely really admired Billie Jean, and really, you know, they really seemed like they had a great relationship, and would have, you know, do have potential to be a success.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, without a doubt, and I think that other than, you know, other than Mrs. Suffy, the 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 purple-haired witch, uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, and and potentially mistaking the doctor's Nurturing bedside yes. matter for being a little creepy. Yes. <laughs> um, creepy
3: guy. Which I
0: thought the same thing yeah. when I first watched it. The, um, the episode, and again, this is you know, mostly, I think, due to the writing. Although James Whitmore Jr. is the director uh, and the actors involved, too, I think you know, clearly deserves some of the credit here. But, uh, yeah, you, you do have a lot of compassion for a lot of these characters. You know, No one comes off as being completely villainous, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is nice and it's refreshing and I think adds to the fact that this is an incredibly strong episode yeah. uh, of the series. I think it's
3: one of my favorite ones that I've seen.
0: Nice, yeah. nice. Do you have any, any final thoughts? Anything else you want to add?
3: Uh, no, it was, it was cool to watch this, you know, having just gone through birth myself. <laughs> um, it definitely put a lot of perspective, um, you know, and thinking about like how, that choice to make, um, to give up your kid and, uh, that would be very, very, very difficult. And so, um...
0: Well, you know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that one of the things, too, that the episode does a wonderful job of is it's not in any way condemning adoption. No. I think at every turn it's reinforced how important and wonderful adoption can be. Um, But that, especially in 1955, the pressure that was put on people in in Billie Jean's situation... To do that without having any control over it right. themselves, right?
3: Like the choice isn't something you've kind of come up with. It's something you feel like you're forced into because of the situation.
0: Right, right, and it and it has you know and it has lifelong ramifications, not only for the mother but for the child as well. I mean, my mother was adopted, and 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 hearing her talk about it, you know, it had a huge impact mm-hmm. on her. You know, all the way up until the very end of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the yeah that the episode does a wonderful job of 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 not portraying adoption as a bad thing, in spite of the fact that this is, you know the the point of the episode is to get Billie Jean to keep her baby basically, mm-hmm. and I think that that's kind of a, a wonderful thing because it it what it ends up doing is it ends up reminding us that it was Billie Jean that needed this right well know? and it
3: brought back it wasn't even just that she got to keep her baby she now has. Her her father sort of disowned her. It kind of sounded like, and it, and it sounds like Dottie got rid of that jerk guy. Right. So he
0: wasn't going to be around much longer. anyway. Right,
3: right, right. <laughs> so you know it was beyond just. I think even if she had given up the baby, yeah, who knows if the her dad would have ever really. Yeah. Because I mean, frankly, he probably would have harbored resentment about it as well. You know, he, that can't be easy for your grandchild to never get to see your grandchild, and and so I think. I think it was beyond just, you know, adoption or not. It was about, you know, the support group and yeah. family. and.
0: So in a perfect world do uh, Dottie and her dad get together and then Willis comes back? and
3: Yeah, that's what I assumed. <laughs> I, I feel like I thought I had maybe missed the Willis coming back yeah. and also Dottie and the dad getting together because they kind of like kept hinting that they had some sort of past. Yeah, totally. So I was like, oh... Dottie's actually Billie Jean's mom, and then I was like, "No, that's that's a little too out there." And then I thought, "What was it? Oh, and somehow I thought, I thought something creepy was going to happen, whereas the father was going to be like some rapist guy or something." Uh,
0: you know, it's funny. I did think because it had been a long time since I'd seen this episode, but I did wonder if Keeter did something to like come on to Billie Jean or had done. You know what oh, I mean? Like sure. there was definitely like an element where I was like, "Hmm." Um, yeah, well, I, I agree. I I think Dennis and I, you know, we will both talk about how we feel about the episode as a whole, but um yeah, if if uh if you're feeling good, if you feel like you've said what you wanted to say.
3: I uh, yeah, I do. Thanks for having me
0: on. Oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate you uh uh, you know, giving us your perspective and especially like you were saying it being so fresh for you. It was really really great, you know. That's great for me cuz I just get to sit and talk to you about stuff. And- <laughs> record it and put it out there for everybody to hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Um, fascinating. <laughs> no, no, no. For Full sure. disclosure, we've not recorded those bits yet, but uh, I'm sure they're going to be fantastic, and we're looking forward to uh, to talking more about the episode, um, Dennis with Betsy and, and myself with Jessica. Uh, but we wanted to just come back obviously you've heard a lot of our thoughts about the episodes as well um hopefully more from from the ladies and from us but uh dennis what are your final thoughts about the episode uh i really enjoyed it like you know any
1: any episode that deals with an issues of of, of him leaping into to a woman especially like an episode of like him leaping into to to a pregnant woman a pregnant teenager um i was kind of concerned you know, through a 2018 lens, there's always a little concern over something being a little problematic. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I I, 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 I don't, I don't feel like there's anything in this episode that would make me cringe, that would make me uh, hesitant to
0: share the episode with someone who had never seen the show before. I completely agree. There is a there is a quality we we strive to kind of contextualize the episodes. Um, we often do run into issues sometimes. Uh, and this is not one of them. I feel like it works in being set in 1955. I feel like it works as a piece of television from 1991. and I think that it, it works very well today and, it, and and there isn't anything in it that feels overtly problematic. There's a sensitivity to the way that the adoption issues are handled. There's a sensitivity to the way that, you know, her being a 16 year old unwed, Mother to be, you know, is handled. The characters are are mostly, um, you know, drawn to be fairly sympathetic with the exception of um, Skeeter or Cedar or Skeek or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, yeah, overall, I I think that this is an incredibly strong episode. It's, um, you know, as far as Deborah Pratt and, and writing. You know, strong episodes. I think that this certainly continues that trend. And James Whitmore Jr. You know has directed a number of very good episodes and will continue to do that. And his his performance here, I think, as um, Billy Jean's father, is, is very well done. Um, and Scott Bakula, I, I really kind of feel like knocks it out of the park. The other thing that that I would say about this is that it's a wonderful episode for Al too. You know, it feels like Dean Stockwell is able to really. Um, have fun with this without it, without going over the top, and and really be the the character of Al that we, you know, that we I think love so much. There's no mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing creepy in here. There's nothing, you know, it's just it's just a really good Al episode as well.
1: Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Speaking of Al, I want to touch on. So I posted a, a Facebook live video right before we started recording, yeah. asking people for comments. Uh, and Emma Fee, she made this comment on a on a on a previous thread a few weeks ago, but she was saying that she's convinced that the first time she watched it in that final labor scene, she remembers that when Al, that when Sam comes in while he's going through his labor pains, that at some point he shouts out Al and the doctor replies who, and one of the nurses says he must be the father. (laughs) But upon rewatch, that's not in there. Sure. But she, she has such a clear and vivid memory of it. Um, so to talk about you know is, is this an example of the of the Mandela effect?
0: Right, right, right. Or or is there something that got left on the cutting room floor that we are unaware of? Uh, that would be interesting. It I would be. Yeah. yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on real quick, and and I'm sure that this is probably something even that Jessica and I might have discussed, is that uh, the ending for me is is quite perfect because. It gives the opportunity... You know, we've talked about in the past how sometimes Sam kind of gets to steal a moment from someone's life that would be very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, freedom being a prime example when he gets to have the moment with the dying grandfather. Um, but in this episode, he leaps out so that Billy Jean is still the one that gives birth. You know, it would have been very easy for them to, in all the sci-fi fantasy world where this somehow works for the baby to come out and the baby to be presented to Sam, you know, however that would happen. Um, and, and for Sam to kind of steal that moment away, but instead, you know, because the leap out happens when it does, uh, you know, Billie Jean is the one that still gives birth to the baby, still holds the baby for the first time, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's, and I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, probably even more so after, uh, having been in the delivery room, Sure, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yeah, I thought that that was that that was a cool touch to have have the leap out take place when it did. Yeah,
1: that's a good yeah, uh, and I'm sure we probably talked about this in our conversation. But Betsy had made the comment that she kind of wished that Betsy could have had the experience of like actually mm. finish through like giving birth. Uh, but I always get the sense like it, it, it's, it's the one final push as he leaps out is the is the final push before. And I kind of agree with you. Like it's uh, yeah, while it would have been great to to see Sam have that moment it's also
0: it's nice knowing that Billy
1: Jean had that role.
0: Right. yeah, yeah, absolutely um and and it's i mean it is a fascinating episode on many levels because of the way that um you know Sam it starts to feel the things that Billy Jean is, you know, clearly feeling the, we get a lot of conversation about what's happening at project quantum leap as well, which is really cool. Um, and, and uh, more definition to what happens, you know, the physical aura, uh, that surrounds Sam. There's, you know, this is the first time that that is really defin- definitively stated. So, mm-hmm. um, I it, love how, I love how it's definitively stated.
1: And then it gets thrown out the window because it has to get thrown out yeah. the window. And, like, I started to dedicate some brain space to try to figure out, like, how this would work. And I, I just I'm, – I'm not even going to worry. Right, try to worry, right. like, how, how how does the baby
0: disappear and appear and uh, – yeah. 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 No, I I know. It is it is interesting. One of the things uh, – pieces of speculation that I was reading, um, which does make a lot of sense in, in some weird way, is that the baby – somehow started leaping before Billy Jean and Sam traded places. And so mm-hmm. that's the reason why the baby disappears in the waiting room. Um and I don't know if that's, you know, God time fate or or whoever's way of making sure that the baby is born in the right time and place. Um yeah. or or if it's just some weird quantum leaping effect or whatever the case is, you know, that 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 was kind of the speculation that was used to Justify why the baby disappears from the waiting room, and and why Sam is having all of this uh, experience. Yeah, I guess my
1: answer is if you, if we're living in a world where where God or time or some higher power is allowing all of this to happen and trading places and trading auras, so you can physically be there but not be there, they, they're, they're going to work some way around so that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so th- so that the baby can be born when the baby needs to be born. Yes, ex- exactly. That's, that's my answer. There we go.
0: Um, All right. Cool.
1: Cool. Yeah, well, I, on that note, I, yeah, we should start to wrap up and, and leap out of here.
0: And I agree. I agree. Again, this is. I think this is a great episode. I think that um, being over halfway through season three, just kind of as a, as a check-in um, about the season as a whole, um, the highs in this season have been have been very high. I think right. If I had to say right now, though. In spite of Leap Home Part 1, Part 2, in spite of episodes like this one, I think I might put Season 2 a little higher than Season 3. Now, it's weird, because I would argue that the lows of Season 2 are amongst the lowest the series has gotten thus far, but that there was there were enough really incredibly solid, wonderful episodes in Season 2, whereas I feel like Season 3 has just had more like average episodes. I would go with that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm interested to go in these next two because honestly, I kind um, because it's been years since I've really revisited a lot of season three and season four. So I, the latter half of season three and season four, I kind of get mixed up like which episodes happen in which. Sure. Um, so I'm, but you know, just like looking ahead at the list, like I'm interested to, to dive into these into these next few episodes uh,
0: and, and rewatch them and and see how they hold up. Yeah, know. I, I, I completely understand what you mean, because I, I certainly have that issue, I think, when it comes to um, some of the episodes here, you know, just trying to kind of figure out what takes place in what season, and, and in particular with season three and four, uh, it, it's it's easy in my brain to get some of those episodes in the wrong season, I think a prime example is glitter rock for whatever reason glitter rock since we started doing this podcast i'm just always like that episode's in season four and it's not in fact we're going to get there very soon (laughs) yeah Yeah. we're gonna be there very soon looking forward to that one that'll be a special one discuss our namesake yeah um cool well i'm ready to leap out of here uh obviously huge thank you to, to betsy and jessica um, and Dennis, again, I think this was a really cool idea, so I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how it all turns out. Yeah, same here. And we will see you all next week for Future Boy. That's right, Future Boy. Another fun one. Yeah,
1: all right. Yeah. See you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com. Or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.